This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host S1E1. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code podcast 21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free check it out our teacher who adored the other four people that i'm here with today hated me with every fiber of her body and um and didn't allow me to participate in recess for the last like half of the school year which was in fourth grade is like the last year we would have ever had recess so like the joy of recess was cut almost a year short for me versus every other child in the town Really forced you to grow up quick there, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first episode, and rate it based on that alone, ignoring anything we know about the future run of that show. This week we're going to be talking about Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec went 126 episodes over seven seasons on NBC. Today we're going to be talking about episode one, which was called Make My Pit a Park, which came out April 9th, 2009. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, the guys, Gordo, Ferg, Nick, and Joe. How's it going, guys? Hey. Hello. What's that? Real people, delicious beverages, and hot guys. <laughs> so, uh... And, and just to go back, depending on where you check, some places just list this episode as titled Pilot. So I don't know what's officially real, so I'm going to go with the fancier name and go with Make My Pit a Park, but it could go either way depending on what you're checking. IMDB said it was just called Pilot, so I was yeah, surprised. Yeah, I've, I've seen conflicting things on different stuff, so. Hmm. That being said, Parks and Rec, who watched it before we did this episode? I did. I, I've watched it multiple times front to back. Same thing, yeah. Never Gordo, no? That. Really? Never seen it. Wow, I'm surprised. Wow. No shit. This is a bigger huh? show. Like, I, yeah. I know you have a history from missing a lot of them, but this is kind of one of those ones yeah. I just assumed everyone would have seen. No, no, I never never saw it. Never had a desire. I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Ironically, I now don't you do. watch a lot of... Now I do, but, you know... You know, surprisingly, shows... I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I would say, uh, you know, the, the other three have all seen a good amount. Ferg seems to have seen every television show ever. <laughs> Front to back, too. Yeah. I watch a lot of shows. I make up for the two of you combined. Yeah, for someone who's so tired, I don't think you sleep. No, Ferg only sleeps right before we're supposed to record usually. <laughs> Done that in a long time. That's what I did. I woke <laughs> up at 6.50 today. That's a nap I wish I took. Yeah, I was going to try to sneak one in today, but um, that was not how the card <laughs> played out for me. But we'll I move on. I couldn't have done that because I had to watch the episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ferg. I was say, did anybody look into it? I remember last episode, I think it was maybe Ferg had mentioned they were going to do the um, fan episodes of Parks and Rec on Peacock. Has anybody looked in to confirm that yet? Like they do for The Office? Oh, no. I don't know. Like uh, the supersized episodes? Yeah. That might even be an interesting thing to go back around on certain shows we've covered as these streaming networks start to like bulk up episodes with bonus features to like re go back on something that would say they've added 20 minutes to it. It's a, it's a kind of a convenience that you can only really do with more modern shows where they kind of archived and stored all the footage. Like they just kept everything. So it's available to them. You can't really go back to a show from like 
the mid nineties and just go like, Oh, let's add 20 more minutes of footage seats. Cause they didn't save all that stuff. Right. Yeah. It's all cutting room floor. So yeah. So parks and rec, uh, just to start before we even get into the episode itself, this was originally intended to be an office spinoff show, but it didn't quite go that way. So I remember when the show first came out, having this really high expectation of thinking it was going to feel exactly like the office. And there are elements of that in this, you know, as we'll talk about as we go along, but it ended up being a completely different thing. Well, The Office is a thing where they sometimes really let you know that you're in a TV show, and sometimes they just totally ignore that fact, and they sort of drift in and out however, whenever they feel like it. Exactly, yeah. This Parks and Rec show, never lets it, you in. Yeah. This show, I feel like, is guilty because sometimes they're talking directly at the camera. Like, in the end of the episode, Ron Swanson is talking to the camera, giving a tour of his office, right? Yeah. And other times you feel like you're not so much in it so i feel like that's the most similar thing to it is they both well not are... even uh, what i thought you were saying is that ver- like often throughout the office they reference the cameras like they say oh like they're filming a documentary or whatever they never oh, once yeah. do episodes. that they never, never they in the that, very yeah. first episode they talk about it in the office but like they never talk about the camera crew or why it's happening in parks and rec it does have so i'll say this in this episode and we are trying to ignore everything else you know at, past episode one in this episode specifically, they do address the camera, and there is a couple references to it, but they definitely got away from that as the show went on. But even just watching this this episode alone, it is less authentic to the documentary style than um, The Office was off the jump. I don't know if it's because just the way it's shot, the cameras they use, it just feels a little bit more produced than The Office did. I have always felt, though, like it was a kinship to it, like it was the same broadcasting company is running a similar documentary like in my head that always just sort of clicked like oh yeah this is a documentary that's that's about a paper company this is about a small town government right right and they're gonna follow them for nine years or whatever and as um mike Shear, who was one of the creators of the show at greg daniels explained before the idea was kind of the office was uh the private sector and then this was going to be more of the the public sector yeah right so it's just showing you like a similar Similar style show, but from two different sides of the coin. And even before we start, too, I mean, you just mentioned them. What a great place to uh, to mention that, like, the two people who created this show are two of the best people to oh, just ever. geniuses. Yeah, yeah they ended up being, world. like, pretty heavy hitters in the TV world because they're still just, like, knocking out, like, big, good shows. Yeah, and Mike Shear, um, who <clears throat> played Moe's in The Office, he actually also created... The Good Place, which we did months and months ago mm-hmm. on our show. So you can go back in the archives and listen to that if you'd like, if you haven't heard uh, The Good Place yet. And I feel like with the this and The Office, towards the later, not like the end season, because, you know, those kind of suck. This is where you see them perfect the, the style. And in these early episodes, you can really see that it's not quite there yet. The documentary style. Yeah. In this show, like we said, it's not it's not filmed as true to documentary as um, The Office was, especially yeah. on the earlier on time. Can I ask a stupid question? There sure. are no yeah, stupid I, questions. It, Go ahead. You said it was a spinoff of The Office. But no, originally no. No. So intended. Initially, Gordo, the Ann Perkins in the in Parks and Rec was Karen Filippelli in The a Office. Filipelli. She was a, a different character, and she was supposed to just be Karen Filippelli finding a new place and a new job, and that's where Parks and Rec exists. But they decided, I think kind of last minute, actually, that that wasn't going to be the case. She was going to be a new character, new name, and everything. Which I think is a smart decision. I love the character of Karen yeah, Filippelli. Yeah, no, I, I love that, that separate. Anne, Anne I is actually a better hate her on both shows, so I'm glad. 
How do you hate Rashida Jones? I don't know. She doesn't do it for a me. lot of hate to give this kid. I also she? I also hate uh, Amy Poehler. That hey, uh, you, gives you, you got hate for people I just don't understand. I'm going to do with this show. How do you feel about Retta? It's <laughs> <laughs> Retta. Retta She's is the only Donna. other, like, oh, no, not the only other one. She's Donna. I was going to say the only other woman in the cast, but there is also uh, April. That brings us up to, even though you don't really meet Donna or um, Jerry in this at all. They don't. They're in it, but they don't. Neither. Of them yeah, they speak show. At they don't all. speak. I still was surprised thinking about it, how big of a cast this is for the first episode of a show. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a I pretty think... well stacked. T- like acting. These are the main players of the show. Type Were of they cast. featured not... actors? To, because even you know the office is the same way because. There are actors who start in the show who aren't necessarily like the main cast. They're either intended to be, right, they're either intended to be a short haul or intended to be a short haul and then kind of win the writers over and they want to keep them around, which I think is how, you know, like Oscar and Meredith and stuff and Kevin work for The Office. So I don't know if Jerry and her maybe were like the same type of thing. It could have been something like that. (laughs) But, um... I think at the time, I guess you'd say, what, Aziz is the only big grab for them, right? Well, I, you know, at Amy that time, Poehler. though, I don't was know he though? he was at, at the time. At the time? Amy, Amy Poehler would have been, yeah. yeah Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler was Poehler just off of are probably the only yeah, ones just... that have any, like, name recognition going into it. But we'll, yeah, uh, we'll, but we'll go over some of these yeah, characters right? as we meet them in the episode itself, because I do want to get into the actual um, meat and potatoes here. So let's, uh, let's just start off at the beginning of the episode. Because the show starts with um, a girl just sitting in a park playing in the sand. So it looks to be, I don't know, I'm not good with this stuff, maybe six-ish, would you say? Yeah, that's five or six, that's, I think that's right? fair. And that's when a woman walks up to the girl, and that's Leslie Nope. She introduces herself, and then she works for the Parks and Recreation Department, and she wants to ask her a few questions. So she has, like, a clipboard, and she's surveying the six-year-old girl like an adult, like if you were to stop them at, like as they're leaving a supermarket. And she's asking her, would you say that you're enjoying yourself and having fun, having a moderate amount of fun and somewhat enjoying yourself, or having no fun and no enjoyment. And this girl's paying no attention to her at all. And uh, the girl's just, uh, she's still playing. And then that's when we get uh, like a younger boy, he looks a little older, run up and go, Miss Nope, there's a drunk stuck in the slide. No, Gordo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you ever been drunk and stuck in a slide? Because I feel like I've had to push you out of a slide drunk before. I don't, I'm not <sighs> big enough to get stuck in a slide. I was going to yeah. say, well, I don't think stuck <laughs> in the way that he was stuck. I think stuck slide. in the way that Gordo would make himself a ball like Sonic the Hedgehog and then purposely not move himself down to be a dick. I feel like I vaguely remember this when we would always hang out down on Lewis Lake. Lewis Lake is where I was thinking, yes. Yeah. If I was drunk, I wouldn't remember it. So it's <laughs> <Yeah>. entirely possible. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. Um, also, when we hung out down there, we were like 12 or 13. So I don't know if he was getting drunk at that young. Well, no, when Doug had his apartment over there, we'd go over in the park sometimes. It was nice out just to hang out by the water. Yeah, true. We definitely drank down there, too. As discussed in previous episodes, the best place in Winthrop to find woods porn. (laughs) Arguably the only place. Arguably the only place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Leslie uh, cuts to her over at the top of the slide, and you just see a guy in there. Yeah, he looks like he's just drunk and asleep. I wouldn't say stuck either, you know. You'd have to be like a Gustus Gloop, like st- to be like stuck in this tube. She's um, she's like trying to get him out with a broom that I guess she had handy with her in the park, but she's uh, she's like poking at him with this broom and trying to and try to shoo him out. I do enjoy her escalation voice happening. She's just like you can tell it's like just slightly taking up. Like okay, let's go. Okay, I like that uh, when she finally gets him out. She's like, we did it. And she yeah, gets, we like, did a it. A bit of applause from the kids. <laughs> the kids cheer. And then, like, during that scene, um, you're getting, like, a talking head from her. Because, as we said before, it is kind of a documentary style. It is a little bit akin to The Office. She's talking about, uh, you know, when I, when I tell people I work for the government, they say, oh, the government, the government stinks. 
The line is too long at the DMV. She's saying times have changed and, you know, people need our help and it feels uh, good to be needed. Uh, I will say, I don't want to, I don't want to do this too often throughout the episode, but in this particular intro to this character, she did come off very Michael Scott-like. Yeah, she was like Michael. I think the Michael yeah. Scott thing too, it's when Michael Scott does like 80s comedian bits that like Steve Carell's yeah. so good at doing like the bad yeah. comedy. Like what Leslie Nope is doing right there, you know, it's just like, that's very much like, how do you program the VCR? Where's the clitoris? Like, that's very much the nobody, you know, hack comic 90, 80s stuff. It's Michael Scott if you subtract all the malice from him of the early days. And like, that's a, actually a really a good dead. way to put Leslie Nope, Michael Scott with no malice. I like that. As, um, and as she goes on a little bit, she's, ta- she's talking about other women in government and how it's a, it's a good time to be a woman in government compared to before. <sighs> How is like a boys club before? And she talks about Clinton and Sarah Palin and mentions herself in, in this uh, list of like the top women in government. But they're showing all these like cutscenes like during uh, the talking head. There's like some random stuff like in the park and there's like a kid like holding her hand in the jungle gym or whatever. But that, that was, was like confusing. That well, that was weird, but whatever. At least I was still in the park. I thought was weird was the next one. There's just it is her standing next to a guy in a speedo at a pool. And it was <laughs> yeah. well, she yeah, made no yeah, sense. Yeah. But she is looking down at his junk and then being super into it, yet embarrassed at the same time. Which yeah, but why? Why was I, I take I take that as the what's it called the documentary thing? It's like a small town doing it. They were just bad at editing, and that was gonna be like the next part. And they're like, oh, we can't have this. It just seems so out of place. In. There was like no lead into it. There was no explanation. It was just her next to a guy in a speedo. It's like <laughs> everything else was so park based. It was just very strange because the, probably the parks department oversees the pool. So she had to be there at some yeah, point. Yeah, it just it, the, the yeah, shot itself. Her was just, and then I, uh, I do like the next part though, where she's sitting. I don't even know what you call them, like those little platforms, and the children are, and the child has her hair. That's what I was saying. I, like I don't know if that was a jungle gem or not. I, I don't know what's really strange. Like the the kid has evil look on his face, and he's just pulling <laughs> yeah. her hair from yeah. behind. Got a chuckle out of me. Yeah, I mean, kids are weird, but yeah. And, and from that scene, we get right into like the actual intro of the show, like the theme. And um, it's just like multiple frames kind of moving along and almost like comic book panels. I don't know if I'm describing it properly if someone hasn't seen it, but I think comic panels make sense. Yeah. But like so it's a lot of moving like panels, panels around and it's basically just kind of showing like establishing shots of like the town and then the, the cast. And then there's a the song, this upbeat musical instrumental where, again, I don't know how to describe if you don't know, because I don't know what kind of music I would say that that is. But um, it's like fluttery, upbeat, classical. Sure. Yeah. It's one of those, like, you know the song, but how do you describe it to someone? It's one of those doot doots. No, doodle loop. It's doodle loop. It's a doodle loop. sorry. So, yeah, I mean, I think the the intro is pretty was pretty good for what the show is. It's it's quick. It gives you what you need. Not much to it, though. But also very much like The Office, right? Here's interior shots of this place and these people. There's no lyrics to the song. Like, it's clearly following a sort of simple path. And I want to say, not that I'm going ahead or whatever but i want to say the syndication thing also i think did the same thing as the office where they would cut it down to like two or three bars and just show the placard of the title screen yeah so from there we get this uh the the next scene is um just kind of starts with this establishing shot of city hall and uh that's where you know the majority of the show is going to take place is where they work is in city hall and there's uh there's like a meeting there's five people in the meeting they're in pre- they're preparing for the community outreach public forum that's going to be later that night the guy who's running the meeting is uh, Ron Swanson, as we come to learn later, played by Nick Offerman. I, you know, I, I do want to introduce our, you know, the cast members as we first meet them in the episode. 
Uh, big fan of this character as the show progresses, but you know we're gonna have to keep it to this episode. But Nick Offerman himself, do you guys know him from anything before this show came out? I do actually. He is George Lopez's mom's love interest on George Lopez. Oh, interesting. He works at the factory there, and I think that was one of his first roles, if not the first. I could be wrong. I think I would have known him from Murder by Numbers, which was right before this, which is like the first movie sort of going over the Robert Durst thing, where it's about the first Robert Durst murder. It was like a movie that kind of came out and didn't. He's like a cop in it or something. But Robert Durst is um the uncle of Fred Durst, correct? Yes. Okay. And he did come at a lot of people like a motherfucking chainsaw, so that's a problem for him. (laughs) Also, Amy uh, Poehler, we didn't talk about her, and you're bringing up... Oh, um, yeah, that's true, too. You know, Amy Poehler, who plays Leslie Nope, yeah. Ron Swanson, but uh, did you know, want to hear a good footnote about Amy Poehler? Sure. Sure. Her first episode of Saturday Night Live was the Welcome Back After 9-11 episode. Oh, well... Interesting. I guess that fits in there. She was a bright ray of sunshine in a sad time. (laughs) Yeah, she's... um, At this point, I think even now... Well, Leslie Nope, I think, has become an iconic character in her own right. But up until then, yeah, famously known for SNL. I think despite even any other movie roles and stuff she's done, that would always have been one of the... Had it not been for this role, the thing she was most known for. Before I moved into it, but I I don't know if you guys all... I'm sure you were all there at one point, but my very first apartment in the city when I lived with uh, Simon... Uh, the real estate agent who who put them in that apartment uh, was her dad. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Oh, shit. She's that's from Newton. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I didn't I didn't realize she was local. I actually had no idea. Which is also another weird connection to the office, where like half the cast are Massachusetts people. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So to go back to Ron Swanson's character, I, I guess at this point we're to assume he's the boss. There's there's not much to go by, but he is running the meeting, and he goes on to say that Leslie's going to this forum. And that he's going to need one more to go with her. And that's when we, you know, we talked about uh, Jerry and Donna, who are two of the people in the room. They don't speak and you don't really even, I don't think you even find out their character names, but they're just sitting there doing nothing. And the other person is Tom, which is played by Aziz Ansari. And he kind of is the one that gets roped into going. And he just kind of gives like, a, ugh, fine. But, you know, no one wanted to be part of this forum. And, but as, as everyone's being looked at as a potential <clears throat> second person, you just see Leslie like so ex- trying to kind of sell it with her face and just giving these excited looks like thinking that maybe her excitement will become infectious and make someone want to go with her i do appreciate that right because like i don't know in jobs like that like we all work in jobs have worked in jobs or with groups and you just don't want to do a project and there's always the one person who's like we'll make it fun we'll get beer we'll get pizza don't worry it's gonna about be great. it yeah you have to appreciate the person trying to make it better now, now we want to talk uh, about aziz at all this was the first moment of uh, I do show want to talk about Aziz. Uh, Aziz Ansari, uh, very famous for his stand up and kind of like at one point was maybe one of the bigger stand ups out there. But yeah, when this sure. show came out, I don't think he had really. I think the show kind of like jump started that platform where people. Well, the show started in what, 09, you said, right? Uh, yes. He was doing Human Giant before that, which is that MTV show. I think Paul Shear was on it for a bit. Oh, right, too. right. I forgot about that show. Yeah. Yeah, and like I cursory remember seeing him on it or whatever. But I mean, that first Aziz stand-up record, I think, is one of the funniest things ever. But he's also one of those dudes now. It's hard to listen to because there's like all that stuff. Did he do something wrong? Um, it's sort of up in the air. It seems like he didn't really. It seems like he just had maybe bad. I would say vibes? I would say I this. Know. I don't want to. I don't want to comment on it too much because yeah. I don't want to speak out of turn because we don't really know everything don't behind know. it. From what I've heard, it sounds more like misunderstanding than him really doing any wrong wrongdoing. And it was just kind of like a bad date. Um, so yeah, for and again, who don't no know, there opinions. Some, we yeah, don't know there. Was, there. there were I accusations against Aziz Ansari. Uh, it, like I said, through time, it doesn't sound like there's been much follow through. So I am to assume that um, nothing serious came of it, like long term. 
and he did seem very torn up by it. He had one stand-up special, his most recent one from a few years ago, where he was clearly still like very bothered by the whole thing. Oh, but, uh, it one knocked way or another, the we don't funny really... right out of him. He hasn't yeah. been funny ever since. Yeah, so I, I don't. I like so I don't him really acting. I, I hate his stand-up. Like, I uh, I love his, he's one of those dudes whose shtick got really, really old. Uh, like, kind of like a uh, you know Dane Cook almost. It's like you can tell funny jokes, Dane but Cook if you're was born old, yeah, but if you're still like it, all the emotes and stuff like that that you're doing are like the same. It gets old. And... It does get old. Yeah. It's always like, hey, I like food. Yeah, yeah. And he I'm also big, was uh, trying to like pump out fan. like two a year. Like he was just like oversaturating the market with himself. I would say I'm a uh, you know I. I not that I'm not now, but I was a very big fan. I've I've seen him live a couple times do stand up and uh, had a really good time both times I went. But yeah, he's he hasn't done one since Master of None. I thought was phenomenal. I didn't watch the newest season. Season one was phenomenal. It goes I thought two. Really I, thought down, two no. I thought two. No, was I liked okay. season um, one and two. But yeah, I like the, the third, third season. I didn't watch was, the newest one. The yeah. third season's like not you know not to get into too much of a tangent about it's it. It's his but friend, it's, right? It, yeah, girl. it's really not about him at all. Is he even in it? I don't think so. I think he just wrote directed when it. When he's in like Italy and he's fucking it's like a love story. I thought it was I don't, I don't really bad. It, it was different. It. Like it wasn't the same show. It was more it was more serious, but I was still like hooked on the story. It was good. I thought like one was such a near perfect season and so relatable. Like I loved it. So two didn't live up to my expectations, but I don't think it was bad. I just think I liked one so much that it just the the bar was very, very high. But let's get back into the episode. So now uh, we cut to them, I like Tom food. and Leslie. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> help myself. Tom and Leslie are now inside of this elementary school where, where this um, forum is being held. And they're walking towards the door and Leslie's telling the camera operator, because like we said earlier, they actually do, they do acknowledge the, document, the documentary style in the, this episode. But she, so she looks at the camera operator and she's like, this is, you know, this is where the rubber of government meets the road of actual human beings. And says uh, when she goes through those doors, uh, she's going to need to be like, uh, she's going to have to be live like uh, the White House press secretary. <laughs> like that, So that's like her standard for like um, public speaking. She gives like this little, here we go, and then tries to open the door and it's locked. I felt uh, it was a little spinal tap to me that, that moment. That's very, that's a good call. Yeah, it's very spinal tap. Yeah. So now we get like the recut to her uh, already on stage, like, you know, off to the side talking to the camera again and she she kind of just redoes the here we go like the intention was for it to be a reshoot but the document uh the documentary decided it'd be funnier if we left both versions in and uh so you see her walk towards um the center of the stage you know she sits down in the middle next to tom and she's talking about you know you know thank you for everyone who showed up this is an amazing turnout and then you pan over and you see that they're by my count i paused it i saw i think 33 people in a stadium that held what looked like somewhere between five to six hundred seats. Yeah. Yeah, I do enjoy that they do the big reveal to nobody. Yeah. And then she introduces herself as the deputy director of the Parks Department. I don't know if we knew her job title at that moment. And as she continues talking, all the lights just kind of one at a time are being shut off. And <laughs> she's like, excuse me, we're having a meeting here. And uh, I actually, what I thought was the most funny was Tom's line, because Tom, who obviously wants nothing to do with any of this, <laughs> This is when he gets up to the mic and he goes, does anybody have any questions about permits? <laughs> like as the lights are coming down, because I think he found the hilarity in the moment of the lights coming out. Uh, this, As we come into this, I think this is where this episode and dare I say, if I was to watch the whole series, series is the strongest is the interactions with the people because you can work in government. You can work in this small office and there's a million office workplace comedies. 
But getting to interact with the people who feel like you owe them something because you're a politician, I think is what makes this episode work so well. When they go in and everyone just starts rattling off their complaints to them, like that is, I think, the gold of this episode. Yeah, it really does give you like yeah. the best uh, look into like the atmosphere of like where they're working. Like this is what they do. They have to deal with these types of people like every single day. So it really right. creates it's not just more of a computer universe. all day. It's this insanity is right. part of their job. Because it's more than just like your ensemble cast. You're getting like the full like scope of this town. Like so, you are now in Pawnee, Indiana. Like all these people that exist within the town, like could pop up later on or not. But you're meeting everybody. You're you're just kind of seeing like the village. Here here everybody is. Well, what I what I liked about the interaction with the people are you know, very. It's very relatable, in a way, because who's going to a Parks and Rec meeting? For a small town, yeah. um, and then once you start, once they start, you know, airing their grievances, so to speak, you can kind of get a more relatable from what people really do when they go to these things. They start talking about the lizard people. Maybe it's exaggerated, but you know that those are the types of people that go. Yeah, and I, and I do want to mention that after the lights went out, they had to uh, relocate. So now they're just sitting in like a just a regular tiny classroom in an elementary yeah. school. Yeah, I love and, that uh, it's not a high school, too, because all the adults look tiny in the children's desks and everything, too. I will say this is a weird parallel, too. Um, this is not a political thing, but, like, just in the age of everything that's going on now, you see on the news all the time people at, like, school board meetings freaking out. And I feel like you just didn't see that on the news that often. So then when they cut to this, it was kind of nice to be like, oh, look how lighthearted this is. It's not someone being like, I won't put a fucking mask on. You're like, whoa, everybody, this is <laughs> yeah. my kids. Everyone chill out. Uh, yeah, it, you know, and to go back to some of the stuff about like what people were saying there, it's like you had that first guy who was, guy. he was like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, he's like, it's a great day, but you know, last month they put me in jail and like, he's like looking around like for a reaction and he's like, <laughs> no one responds and he keeps he's, like, going. And the, the, the head of the police is a ninth degree Mason. Yeah. 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 That, that was it. And they go uh, through all of them. I, my favorite one still though, is the guy who says they keep shouting obscenities like suck my cock. No, you suck my cock dickhead. <laughs> and they do the bleeping so poorly that you know exactly what yeah. he's saying, which it's has a great, to be on it's a purpose. great comedic effect. It's one of those things that always gets me like it, they didn't really tackle it in older shows. And it was kind of a, like a, a turn of the century when they started doing this, where they allow them to swear, just bleep it out and blur their mouth. And that's funnier than just wording around it because you know people swear in real life so put it in there bleep it the bleep ends up being funny in its own right but i think there's something so smart about what they did with these bleeps that they lowered the volume more than they should have so you really hear what he's saying and hearing somebody on a tv show like this just out of nowhere yell suck my cock dickhead is so <laughs> funny in a like in a little kid's classroom like it worked so well and i'm i feel like they got away with something like they were like now we beeped it but it's clear what they're saying. It's just enough. Just enough of the beginning of the word, just enough of the end of the word that you, you know, you can piece it together. You got the k noise in the beginning. So, yeah, you can figure it out. And, and kudos then, to all those actors for not breaking because I would have lost it. I that's what, sure. that's I'm, what did I'm it. I'm sure they did a bunch of times. I bet you that took a ton of takes. But that's what sells it. a bunch it. of funnier ones, too. When you have people, like, saying such absurd shit like that and just being completely, like, straight-faced... It, make, it makes for that scene so much more because they're not trying to play funny. Rely on the script to be funny and, and play it serious, which, right, which yeah. does so much more. Especially well, in a situation I, I, like I that. I assume that whole part is all improvised. 
Like, oh, I imagine. Oh, so, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's I, what makes a good show. Is like if you if you feel like it's like an organic, improvised conversation, but that was actually written. Yeah. Um, I think that speaks for the writing more than anything. Oh, I was gonna say for to Ferg's point earlier though, if it's the kind of thing where like if they do supersize episodes of this. Oh, by the way, the they are. I just producers of NBC are listening. Please just put whatever footage you have of this whole scene. I, don't, I want like a 12 minute version of it. I was going to say, too, when it, it's right after this, um, but Aziz and Zari is actually improvising, like when he first talks to Rashida Jones during this scene. And also when um, later on, when he talks about the, the press conference. So that is completely um, improvised on his part. Oh, interesting. Because I was going to say earlier that, you know, Again, sorry, sorry to keep bringing up The Office. I, I think when you do a show like this, which is the same creators, it's it's bound to happen. But listening to the uh, the Office Ladies podcast with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley, like they talk about a lot of times where they have fan questions, like was this improvised? Was this improvised? And you'd be surprised, like how many times something felt improvised that it was scripted word for word because it was just such good writing. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, imagine writing like that, like I, in your head, you. As far as like watching TV shows goes, you try to, you know, you think of these things in your own head and like how you could do it yourself maybe. And it's just impossible when you consider like that's what the competition would be and somebody can write that well. Yeah. I think something yeah. like that when it's all the extras and they're just trying to get a reaction, I, I that, that's got to be improvised. You'd be surprised though, you know, like, uh, you know, when the show, if the show is well made and people know exactly what they want. It can they can really craft an environment that would come off more improvised, just because I mean, of how much planning went into it. Maybe they gave them like a subject and be like, just go off. And on they might this, have had multiple like... takes where they read different lines and then they went with the better yeah. ones. But I want to get back in cuts. You know, it cuts to Leslie talking outside of the the classroom a little bit, and she's explaining that people are just you know, the people just care about what's going on in the community, and and that's why they yell at her. And that they're just caring loudly. I, I don't know. I really liked uh, that line that they're just caring loudly. It just goes to show you how she's just like almost delirious, but in trying to see the good in people. Like sometimes you don't, you shouldn't do that. Like sometimes that guy's just an asshole, but she never thinks that way. Right. She's, she's very optimistic yeah. at all times. Very, very she's much pure. an optimist. And we have a, um, you know, finally during all this chaos and all this weird shit that's being said by everyone, you get someone who seems like a somewhat normal human being. And uh, she introduces herself as Ann Perkins, and she says she's a nurse. She doesn't typically care for politics, which gets a big round of applause from everybody else in the room. That yeah, I love the applause for that. It's pretty great. And uh, she wants to talk about the abandoned lot on Sullivan Street. She says it almost killed her boyfriend. There was a developer there that uh, was supposed to put condos in, and then they just went bankrupt in the middle of the project. So they just left, and now there's a giant pit in front of her house. And she said that her boyfriend... Uh, who's a musician and she supports and uh, fell and broke both legs. And I was kind of like, I don't know why you had to mention that he's a musician and that you support him in this public forum, but I, maybe I guess she just needed someone to talk to. Yeah. I feel like she's just venting at that point. <laughs> yeah. It just came out like she's just bummed out about her life. Yeah. And this is uh Gordo, what you were saying earlier. I, you know, I didn't realize some of it was improvised, but Tom's like, so, uh, you know, your boyfriend, he fell in this pit, correct? So are you two serious? Do you live together? <laughs> when she said yes, he's like, wow, that sounds like it must be really tough for you. Sounds like he didn't really have a lot going on to start with. And now he has two broken legs and he's weak and you have to take care of him. <laughs> Probably feel like you need to move on, be more adventurous with relationships and your body. <laughs> 
And his uh, it, again, it's, his, it's his rap is so bad, but so yeah. good at the same time. But, and again, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. the the straight face nature. Like when you say this ridiculous stuff, and you just can look at someone <laughs> dead in the eye and say it blank like that, it yeah. makes it so much better. Maybe you can go away for a weekend. I'd be into that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it i also love too when she calls him on it he's got the backup of he points he's like no no i'm married uh i just yeah. you know i'm an open person <laughs> just so perfect. i spend really a lot of time around attractive women <laughs> yeah and uh you know during all this though like leslie seems kind of stunned and inspired that somebody cares about something maybe realistic i don't know what it was but she was like really or just saw this as a, a real moment to step in well it's finally and, just not somebody screaming at her or yeah. screaming about nonsense and she says she'll fix it, and she gives a promise, more than a promise. She says it's a pinky promise that she's going to fill that p- uh, the pit and put a park there. And everyone starts to clap for Leslie, which I think you know is also something she's not used to. So now she's even more excited because all these people who are just yelling at her throughout the night are now like, all right, way to go, Leslie. Like You're going to accomplish something here. This is also a very Michael Scott moment. This reminds me of when Michael Scott is like, and we're going carbon neutral. <laughs> he just like yeah. overshoots everything <laughs> yeah. too hard because he's getting a good response. And, hate uh, the twirl. <laughs> this is really hate the twirl scenario. And I thought that this was actually a good time to mention that. I think it's funny that the, the pit that's turning into a park where we grew up, we had a park that was called the pit. I was thinking that. Interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah. Where, where Ferg lit himself on fire in last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> in front of it, not in it. In front of it, uh, not in it. But also, it was a pit, and in the wintertime, it would slide. freeze, yeah. <laughs> and it was like a skating rink. Well, yeah, one of my... I, I don't want to say one of my fondest memories, but one of the things was burned into my brain. Was, uh, so the pit was this giant pit, essentially. There wasn't much to it, but like... It wasn't just a clever 10, name, yeah. 10% of it was like a playground, and then the rest of it was just open field. But yeah, there were like these two slides, the old metal slides. Like You would never see like these... like. Because they get like super hot and will burn you in the summer type slides. But my brother was at the top of the slide when he was really young. I don't know what happened. Forgot how to go down a slide. And he just fell off from the side of it and broke his arm. (laughs) Can we get Chris on one day? I feel like we talk about him on this show so much. We haven't gotten to the story yet where he was running and fell on the ice and broke all his teeth out yet. No, we're we'll, still get, we'll, we'll, find, we'll find a good winter episode to talk about that, too, and just get his retorts. If he ever listened, I'd say, hey, Chris, but he has no idea what's happening right now. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> also, you know, something I wanted to mention about the pit is um, when we were, you know, younger, they made it like a landmark in the town and they put like a little sign up for it. And then a few years later, they bulldozed through it anyways and got rid of it. <laughs> Just like, put up a school. I thought, yeah. I thought that's what like yeah. a landmark is supposed to be. Yeah. Like, doesn't that protect it? It's supposed <laughs> to stop you from being able to do those sort of things. Yeah. yeah. Then it was gone like a couple of years after they put the sign up. It's like, well, I guess this meant nothing. I don't remember it used to just flood and then freeze, and it was just a giant thing of ice. Yeah, it was just like a giant ice skating rink. It was so fun. Remember remember when Jay spent a whole year on the fence watching (laughs) us play in the pit? Watching us have fun. Yeah, so again, simpler times, right? Recess in elementary school was go run around the pit for an hour. We don't want to deal with you anymore. It was a big thing of dirt and like a slide you could cook bacon on in the summer. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, don't get hurt. If you're in trouble, like Jay was. Clue the listeners in, uh, just to give them a little bit of backstory here, the pit was the park that was connected to our elementary school. The the five of us all went to elementary school together. So this was where we would go out for recess, was this particular park. But yes, in fourth grade, 
uh, the five of us are all in the same class, and uh, we've referenced this in the past a little bit, but our teacher, <laughs> who adored the other four people that I'm here with today, hated me with every fiber of her body <laughs> and, um, and didn't allow me to participate in recess for the last like half of the school year. <laughs> Which was in fourth grade is like the last year we would have ever had recess. So like the joy of recess was cut almost a year short for me versus every other child in the town. Really forced you to grow up quick there, huh? Uh, yeah. They stripped you of your childhood. And for those of you wondering, Jay, what did you do so bad that you couldn't go to recess? I forgot my memo book. No, Jay. It was a culmination book. of things that yeah, like, this agenda that was just book like led the final to. thing. Yeah. Don't give it me your mother a, did your iron giant for you. That's also <laughs> not true. That was also not true. And I and I would also like to mention that one day, uh, as you were all present for, she walked over to, to my desk, flipped it over, so everything poured all over the floor, and then held me off to school because my stuff was all over the floor. <laughs> because you didn't have your agenda book. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's I feel like she, she literally treated you like the evil prison guard in a movie. Where it's like your cell's I, not clean. <laughs> like they like just, put drugs in your room or something. Like for, for reference, found, I'm, I'm nine years old. <laughs> it's literally the equivalent of like putting drugs on somebody in a traffic light or kicking their tail light out and being like your traffic your tail lights are out. Yeah. I don't know why she hated you so much. <laughs> oh, like when Goro tried to kick out his own tail light <laughs> <laughs> unsuccessfully. <laughs> I got kicked out of that class actually for looking up the word sex in the dictionary. She came over, it was me and Joe Caprini, and we were looking at, we were laughing, and she kicked us, well, she asked us, there are, by the way, on a dictionary page, like, 300 words on that page, and we could have said we were laughing at any one of them, any but word. we just, we just couldn't lie our way out of that one, though. Was that the, I think, yeah, it had to have been that, that class, that, Nick, do you remember when I think you and I were sitting next to each other, and I farted, and I <laughs> and broke the bust of William Shakespeare? <laughs> He rumbled the bust of William Shakespeare with a fart. It was pretty hysterical. I love that it's been, it's almost 30 years later and the two of you are just as entertained by farts as you were back then. <laughs> and I'm equally disdainful. <laughs> it rattled. Oh, My ass was against the, the bookshelf and I, I let out a toot and it literally rattled up, up this little bookshelf and Nick is sitting next to me. And there was a bust, like one of those fake busts of William Shakespeare on the top of it. And as it gets to the top, it makes this like rattling <laughs> sound and the bust falls <laughs> And I, you know, just bump it. It was impressive. <laughs> no, it was a fart. I've known <laughs> you for a long time and every fart you do is just <laughs> So I can't imagine. You Guys, we're offending Aunt Joe over here. Let's move on. I would, well, I'd like Girls! To, I, you know, I, I think there's plenty of fourth grade stories we could save for later episodes. The only other thing that I want to mention while it's fresh in my mind, because I can't remember specifically what it was, but what book was it that we were reading in class that, like, the kid oh. in the book dies and I got in trouble because I laughed? It was like, was it Captain's Courageous? Was it, it was Captain's like Courageous. No, that was the oh, movie. That was a different book? That was the movie we watched. The Captain's kid doesn't Courageous. die in Captain's Courageous. Captain? No, oh, Emmanuel God. dies in Captain's uh, so it was another. It was another book or something. And she like, yelled at Renata. Was it Johnny with the, with the hand? Was it Johnny Get Your Gun? No, no, no. I what don't remember. That? I don't remember what it was. I just what's remember. It, what's it? The, Shiloh? Were you, did you laugh at Shiloh? Time? It could have been Shiloh. Uh, <laughs> I just remember. I just remember laughing at something inappropriate and getting in a lot of trouble. But I love that it's Shiloh. Yeah. Nick, did you say fuck that dog? <laughs> How dare you? But yeah, let's get back to uh, to Pawnee, Indiana here. 
And uh, so now uh, in her next talking head, after agreeing to fill this pit and put a park in it, uh, you just see her in her office and, and she's talking about how like this could be her Hoover Dam. Like she thinks this is like her big moment. It's also yeah, becoming I mean, too, and you see that Tom is just making like backdoor deals on. Uh, he's using his like slight political leverage to try to make deals on suits, and he says that to give them to his wife, and if they don't fit her, though, maybe he'll try them on or whatever. I really like, like the way that he went about yeah. that, you, you know. And it was like because that was like the next morning, right? Right, as Leslie's coming in, and he's like, you know, I anything over twenty five dollars, I have to um, announce to like my job that I received. So if you give the suits to my wife and they happen to not fit her then I try them on, then that's fine. I love the idea that in the Parks and Rec Department, you might need to do something that needs a bribe. Like, what could you be doing this bribe adjacent in Parks and Rec for a suit dealer? Well, that's, that's a yeah. bigger... That covers more than you think. Like, the Parks Department is everything Like that isn't, like, structures. Like, But if you're going to hook this guy up with multiple suits, I mean, you, you'd feel like this is some sort of a substantial... Yeah, like it's a pretty big ask. Yeah, like maybe it's getting him some permits for an event he's planning, or who knows. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe he wants to have like, a, or do something. Yeah, outside, like he said, have a big party with a grill or something, and even. Well, I was gonna say, is the parks department the one in charge of issuing all permits, or is yeah. it the building department for gatherings and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that makes sense that he would be the the one to get bribed. Yeah, like, I, I also think if like you want to have like a block party or something, you have to go through the parks department, even right. In that, in that moment, too, when, like, Leslie comes in during this phone call to cover himself up, he just pretends he's on the phone with the mayor, which, like, yeah. for Leslie, he's, like, super excited by. But he's just she saying, works like, in the same building as him? Yeah, probably sees the mayor all the time. Yeah, yeah, he would be walking by all the time. But he mentions, like, yeah, all right, I'll meet you Saturday for Ultimate Frisbee. Like, that's, like, the most logical thing. <laughs> like, that makes sense to him. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell Leslie I'm going to play Ultimate Frisbee with the mayor. Have you guys <laughs> ever played Ultimate Frisbee? No. Yeah. I never have. No, I never did. It's fun. I'm really bad at regular Frisbee for whatever reason. I just can't, like, I'm not good at throwing a Frisbee. Okay. No, I didn't know if you guys, I, I always get Ultimate Frisbee. Is Ultimate Frisbee the one that it's, like, football? And then, or is that, like, That's golf Frisbee one? golf, I think. For all no, Frisbee golf no, is more Fris of a golf. Yeah. Like, Ultimate Frisbee is more what he's talking about. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like okay. uh, I'm confused about them, too, then. So many Frisbee games, who would have known? Yeah, I've never played either. I've played regular Frisbee, but I haven't probably in 20 years. Kids get bored. I do know that the standard weight of a Frisbee, though, is 175 grams. I did not know that. I did not I've know read that. read that to pounds, you call me. <laughs> <laughs> not because it's Frisbee, but because it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, also, uh, right after that exchange with uh, this fake call to the mayor, uh, you cut to another Leslie talking head where she's talking about her relationship with Tom and how they're both outsiders. He's like, because I'm a woman and he's, I think he's Libyan, she said. <laughs> he's a Libyan. And yeah. then it cuts to Tom and he's like, I'm from Bennettsville, South Carolina, and I'm what you might call a redneck. And uh, what I liked about that line in the whole episode, that's the actually where, great. that's where Aziz and Saris yeah. grew up, like for real. So uh, I like that they <laughs> threw that in there that way, like the specific town. But the way he buttons it too, like he like kind of like tilts his head and like is in on the joke and just enough <laughs> that it, it really lands. Right. Much like a Frisbee. And, uh, you know, so Leslie and Tom are talking about how they, you know, how they're going to make this park happen. And she really wants to start a committee. And she says that committees are the lifeblood of our democratic system. And she's like, oh, that's good. Tom, write that down and explains to the camera. Again, she does talk to the camera in this moment, too. She's like, whenever I have a good quote, you know, I, I usually have him write it down for my memoirs. And it cuts to Tom showing uh, her quote from Wednesday, quote unquote, which is just a bunch of squiggles he wrote on the paper. And then she's like, oh, uh, Tom, can you read that quote back to me? 
and he just goes, uh, committees cover our democracy with blood. And <laughs> she looks to the camera again. She's like, sounded better when I said it. Still good, though. <laughs> Still good, though, yeah. I do like the My- idea, too, that she says she's 34 in this, so she's younger than we all are, and right, she yeah. thinks she's had a good enough life, or an impactful enough life, that she's writing her memoirs. <laughs> like, what? Well, she's just preparing right. for later, you know? Um, my question here is, I didn't get the impression that Tom was her secretary. He's like, not necessarily, would, but she's but why would his you boss. Dictate, okay, so she is a boss. She's still like, yeah, the number yeah, two. She's, a, she's below Ron, but she's not the head. Right. Okay. All right. So and I don't I, know how clearly that's explained in the action, this actual episode. I don't think it is. But I yeah, would say just not... by what you just by what you see in the actions, because she asks of him to do things in the same with April, who we'll meet later. So you kind of feel that Ron's in charge, and then Leslie, and then the rest are all kind of equal. I would assume because the other ones don't really have a lot going on. Mm, okay. Yeah, I just thought it was weird that he would be put on the same committee as Leslie right. if he was an underling to her. Oh, it sounds more like she's just uh, including him to have someone be there to represent and to dictate work to. Like, she's in charge of the project, so that's kind of like the hands-on will be done through her underlings. Okay, I kind of got the idea, too, that he was sort of assigned by Ron when Ron makes him go to the committee meeting in the beginning at the school. And then because that turned into a project that he's stuck also being part of that project. Oh, that's true, at too. This, that could at be this point, it's, it's technically not a project yet because Ron didn't approve it. Yeah, potential project. Right, right. Because they're still brainstorming at this point. And that's also when she says that they should bring in Mark Brandanowitz uh, for this committee. And she yeah, starts Mark. to go on talking about him. And uh, it's pretty clear, I think, from the beginning that she has a thing for him just in her early explanations of who he is. And uh, she says that he's uh, he's a city planner, but he's more like a fixer. And I did want to ask this because I legitimately have no idea, and I didn't look it up. What does a city planner do? I know it's a real thing. Uh, I just don't know what city cities. Like ro- like like it's roller coaster tycoon. Like he just like plots I, things I everywhere. No, that's an engineer. Uh, oh, he, that's like a civil engineer. Right. No, he cities. makes like plans for like structures. According and stuff. to Google, they develop land using plans and programs that help create communities, accommodate population growth, and revitalize physical facilities in towns. So, I they I it sounds like their job is pretty much the entire parks department. <laughs> like, right. And right, they yeah. just and the parks department is just kind of like the outliers who deal with the little stuff. Also, now, this uh, character too, Mark, Paul Schneider. Mark better than Ben. All right, breaking rules. Now, did anybody know this this guy? Because he's one of those actors who I always really loved him. He's in that movie, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which if nobody's seen it, is probably like the best Western made in the past 20 years. That he's great in it. He plays basically this snarky sort of character, See, ladies' man. In I, it, it's, this is, it's just another one of those shows. It's like really tough to ignore the future, but like, I fucking hate Mark Brandanowitz like a lot. I love him. That they, they yeah. were very obviously, I think, trying to go for the Jim character with him. I think it, I just I don't know. I don't like it. He just never he never becomes likable, like ever. I, I think that uh, I don't want to speak to the future, but I do disagree with that a little. I I know where you're coming from, Nick, and yeah, to not get too far into it, I would say knowing the future of this show. I think this show really finds its stride once he had left the show 
And like his character That's a big part of it too, yeah. His character might have found time to evolve into what the show becomes, but he wasn't there for that, so it's really tough because you only know him from this. But, I know um, nothing about all of that. Right. I get a real I get a real Scott Bakula vibe from him. Oh, I do get a Bakula vibe. That's a good call, actually. I didn't think of that, but he definitely does they are similar. As uh oh, boy. I'll never shit on Quantum Leap. As they're first explaining who this character is, by the way, they're showing some cutscenes of him, and it's really not much. It's just kind of like, it's not much to go by. Like, a lot of times you you get, like, more animated cutaway scenes, but it's just him, like, sitting there eating a sandwich. That's, like, your introdu- introduction to who uh, Mark Brandanowitz is. I like that, though, because it gives the vibe of how much he cares about that job, right? Because most of these people are just civil servants just doing a job they don't care about. So showing him just eating a sandwich is just, like, the extent of that dude's giving a shit about working for the Parks Department. Well, yeah, he uh, is working while he's doing that. There is paperwork in front of him, so he's. you could argue he cares more because he's working through lunch. I would say you could argue, though, that he has the job with the most accountability. Sure. That we've seen. I, get, I, also, I don't know the you know structure know I mean? of their like, government well enough, but yeah, I guess if she needs to like go to him, and from what we see later on when he, when he talks to Ron, which we'll get into in the future, like it does look like he has some kind of pull within their system, so... But um, I, w- I like that when they go to meet when she's trying to get him into this committee, she walks up and she's trying to like break the ice and she just goes like, what's up, Brandanowitz, you crazy Polish person? Because she's trying to like <laughs> horse around, but she doesn't know how to like be casual and like in like rib and joke with people. I love too that she weirdly goes for an ethnicity joke too, which is like, you just get fired now if you try to do that in a government building. But uh, he, Gordo, he, were you more into his character because of his Polish roots? He was more attracted no. to him at that point. A <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little bit, a little bit. My heart was, was beating a tad. A you can't Brandana quit him? Oh, get out of here, Joe. What the fuck? You said I feel like with this whole, I was going to say that whole thing was a setup. He already had that punchline in his head. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Makes it worse. <laughs> no, this is all pure me. It's pure you for sure. That's but. worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but no, I didn't have an attraction to him because he was yeah. Polish. Okay. <laughs> after the uh, after that part where where she says that too, and by the way, she has such like this like giddy look on her face as she's delivering that line. But uh, there's a uh, talking head from where she talks about how it's kind of like a locker room where they work, and you need to be able to snap towels oh, and yeah. give them the business. And if you can't take it, then you well, then you can't take it, and you need to leave. I, I will say again, I'm sorry. This is that was a Michael Scott like talking. Yeah, oh, for sure. This is Michael Scott, like, my prod, my son returns. Like, I can, like, I can hear a parallel for every Michael Scott line to every Amy Poehler line. And in this conversation, she thanks Mark for meeting him and for clearing his schedule. He's like, I I, I work right there. And um, (laughs) I didn't clear anything. (laughs) Yeah. I do like his, like, aloof coolness is also sort of trumped by the fact that he's just like, I'm just here. Like, it's not anything else. I I literally am right here. And she said all that. What was that a legit meeting, or did she just ambush him on his lunch? No, she ambushed him on his lunch. Break. Yeah, I think he's just eating lunch That's in the courtyard. I, yeah, yeah. I think it's like very common for them to see one another, but she's making it sound like it's a bigger meeting because of the importance of the, of the project, yeah. or maybe that too. I, I I got it that she was she was playing up to the cameras. There's there's a scene later on that I'll get into where she's a hundred percent playing up to the camera, but I'll, I'll mention that when we get to it. But um, as she's talking to Mark, she starts to talk about this a lot, and she tells him she wants to put the park there. And he's like, all right, interesting. Is it likely? No. But is it possible? 
Also, no. <laughs> and you see, like, Leslie's face, like, go excited to disappointed back and forth as he's doing these, like, taking on the roller coaster, like, delivering these lines, which I, I did really like that. And uh, he gets into, like, you know, all, all that goes into it, like, all the red tape and everything else and, like, how it's going to be, like, you know, virtually impossible for this to happen. You know, she says that, you know, there's things, like, she can do this, but she's going to need a little bit of help. He's like, come on, like, for old time's sake. And he gives, like, this uncomfortable, confused look. And that's when we cut to a new talking head of her, where she says that they have a complicated past. And she kind of talks about how, um, you know, when people are passionate about the same things and have similar interests, things can happen. And then there's a pause, and she goes, we slept together. And again, sorry, Michael Scott. That's Michael Scott 100% right there. It's the jam line. Yeah. Like, yeah, to we a had, T, we had, yeah. We had, yeah. We had sex. If she said you complete me, we would have been in an episode of the office. Yeah. But uh and then it and then it cuts to Mark though and he goes, Leslie? No. He goes, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, we sort of yeah, we did. I do enjoy him coming to the realization and the remembrance that he did in fact sleep with her all that time ago. And I like Which that. Which also plays like, to his character, right? Because he's a bit of a playboy. He's not you know, it's not even in his register. It was like such an insignificant one night. They were all having drinks after work one day and they hooked up. And like to her, this is such a huge, like yep. you can see how infatuated she is with him. Where to him, he doesn't even remember it happened. So now we cut to Anne's house and uh, you see her walk up to her boyfriend and she asks him to straighten out his area a little bit. And that's when we uh, meet Andy, who's played by Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, again, by now is a huge star. I would say at this point, like you would know him from things, but this was like probably his breakout role at this point. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was yeah. more famous for being an actor who was married to a more famous actress at this but point. But you might know him as Che on The Office. Uh, not The Office, I'm sorry. Uh, che, che from The O.C. Oh, yeah. And then later he was, uh, on. One of the, he was one of the love foils between uh, Summer and Seth. Yep. Later on, he helps to kill Osama Bin Laden. So there's that, too. Osama bin Laden. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I have it written down. Like I remember the the commercial playing all the time. It's like, yep. is that for real? Osama bin Laden. Like he's doing like a weird Southern accent. It's so weird, like, actually. I watched that movie the other day. It was just on TV, and I just watched it. But it's what not that great that? of a movie. <laughs> Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, Zero Dark Thirty. Right. It's okay. He's also it's playing Mario in the new Mario Brothers. It's a movie, movie about the fabricated story we got about them killing Osama bin Laden. Right. Yeah. It's a bullshit movie about a bullshit next. story. Yeah, he's Mario now because Mario's normal, not Italian, as he so famously yeah. quits. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's the one thing that you could take away from Mario that would make the least amount of sense? Like, it would be easier to make him not a plumber anymore than take away the fact that he was Italian. I mean, but his yeah, name so... is Mario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. How are you going to... Mario, Mario. And then, I just uh, hope they make the Goombas not look like they did in that John in that movie? movie. I love how they look in that movie. One of them's Mojo Nixon, and he sings a protest song. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, uh, that Mario Brothers movie came out on my birthday, and that's, that's what I did for my birthday that year. So what a disappointing birthday that was. <laughs> One of many. I liked, uh, your, I liked your birthday when we saw Austin Powers way more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember when Gordo had a party, and he had to see Liar Liar, but everybody had seen it except him, <laughs> which is kind of like this podcast, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh, Touche, yeah. So uh so we see Andy sitting there, right? And he has both legs and cast and he's sitting on the couch and uh he has one of those like claw grabber things and I was super impressed by the way. 
Because he grabs a piece of popcorn and like flips it up with the claw and like catches it in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> oh, he was practicing right. for sure. How, how many yeah. takes over or under? I feel like what he's just think? one of those guys who like can do shit like that. He just seems to be so? one of those guys. I'm, it or might it was been a CGI. Take, we don't know if it was real. No. It's potential. They definitely would just say like, hey, try it until you get it. I, I like the idea that they paid a bunch of money to CGI him throwing popcorn and they're like, the shot is integral. We have to get it <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. And then right after he does that, he he's that claw again to grab the beer bottle and hand it up to Anne so she can like put it away for him. I know they 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 try to depict him as a dick, like at this point of like things, but he's got two broken legs. He's not. Like, what yeah, can he do? No. Right, he can't get that bottle. He can't get the on door. On his leg. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> cast leg. I do like, though, like, that's one of those classic things you see in older sitcoms, right? Like, it's a mom to a kid, right? Where it's like, Mom, can you get me a Pepsi? Like, what do you got, two broken legs? And I guess if yes. you've never had two broken legs before, you never think about how completely incapacitated you are. I guess he's a, I mean, he's a dick, right? He's not being nice about it, but, like, you are kind of stuck there. We're not there yeah, yet, I mean, but when he's like, when oh, if you're going to the kitchen, can you make me some pancakes real quick? <laughs> like It's like one of the most intensive yeah. things you could make. And she supports uh, him. Like He's got like, he lives in a house that she clearly owns. She has a real job. She's super attractive. And he's just sitting there with broken legs, no job, and playing video games. Like, how did you hit this lottery? But they, I mean, the again, Chicks in, dig in fairness, stars. he does have two broken legs. So he's limited at the time, but he comes off, yeah, very childlike. Like, he definitely leans on her outside of the fact that he has broken legs do you think but he then, pees in bottles um i guess if he's stuck if anybody there, on this show does <laughs> it would be andy moving on <laughs> um <laughs> and uh and tells her uh the camera that leslie's coming over so they need uh so they can check out the pit together and she thinks it's like just like a photo op she says nobody in the government actually cares Andy cuts her off asking if she could do this elsewhere. <laughs> like this is where he comes off like a little childish because like she's talking to the camera and it's like interrupting what he's watching or whatever. So it's like, can you please take this to another room? She's like, I'm talking about the pit you fell in. And uh, oh, she during... gets all stately too. She's like, how you doing son? <laughs> like she's the president. <laughs> oh, when she comes in. Yeah. yeah. But it's uh, our hero. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> because yeah, the doorbell rings and, and he's like doorbell and she's like I heard it and then it rings again and he yells doorbell but he turned away from her as she's going to get the door and opens the door and that's when we see uh, Leslie wearing a hard hat with the uh, timing Tarman. of the doorbell gag by the way is such perfect comedic timing him like turning that, away from her as she walks by like to, they to yell it again yeah. spaced it so well yeah so Leslie's with uh, Tom and April I, I think it's the first time we see April who's played uh, yeah. by Aubrey yeah. Plaza who you would most know for being the love of my life um <laughs> I very much love Aubrey Plaza uh, I don't think you would know her I don't think she was in much of anything before this, this show though so I you don't think she's pretty really young wasn't this her breakout role Yes, I yeah, for sure. Her breakout she role. I'm sure stuff. she must have done something. I can't recall it though. I but this would have been like actually, the first thing she was known for. I actually looked it up beforehand, and I nope, that was after. Okay, yeah. So this was her big. Yeah, she did a bunch of role. films and stuff right after this. Uh, th this movie, uh, this show, definitely like she was in a movie called Kill Switch as her very first role, and she was credited as girl with massive head wound. <laughs> Yeah, it. so <laughs> so she did not have a speaking line, I assume. In this um, movie. She was in. She um, may have yelled, "Ouch!" She was in Thirty Rock uh, in two thousand six. Bullet in the head. 
She was in mm-hmm. like six episodes of the Janine Tate show in 2007. So this was not her first role, but it was her not first, her first like, role. But she was, the, she was the first thing you would most likely know her from. I don't think anyone would recognize her from anything beforehand. She just kind of was lingering in the back for stuff. Yeah. And has had a pretty decent career since then. Yes. Yeah. She plays Andy Barkley's mom in the shitty reboot of uh, Child's Play. Oh, really? But to get into um to get into her character a little bit, she's uh very deadpan uh, and reserved, and she, I guess the best way to describe her is kind of like a Daria type. For those of you guys who remember the cartoon Daria, she she definitely has that vibe. Oh, uh, Daria okay, I reference. See that. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, can. I'll, I'll see it. that. She's like if if Janine Garofalo wasn't constantly saying, oh, "I wish there was a Starbucks in my living room." She's kind of like at that vibe going on for her. She's like a modern it's, Janine Garofalo in that wheelhouse for sure. Like that level of enthusiasm. Yeah. But yeah, so that's when uh, Leslie spots Andy sitting on the couch. And uh, yeah, that's everything you guys were talking before. This was a very, her being political. And this was a lot of her looking to the camera too as she's talking to him. So this was another like acknowledgement of the document. Uh, I keep saying document. It's the documentary. I've done that like four thing. times. I did the same thing earlier when I was trying to say, say documentary. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the man heard around the world. <laughs> She called him at one point. I don't know. I think she's just like trying to think of things that sound good in that moment. Yeah, this is uh, where you get that office vibe a lot. Of that was just for sure, the that awkward one. interaction between people. But this is definitely her definitely being political and knowing that there's a camera crew filming her. And she's going for this like, this is my big photo op moment. So she's got the hard hat and she's introducing herself to this brave man. And yeah. looking, she keeps looking to the camera over and over. Like, are you filming this? Are you filming this? Like, that it's definitely one of those. Uh, that's when Andy asks if uh, she can hand him his itch stick, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Oh yeah, sure." And she she hands him the stick, and then I'll say this: the reaction they're giving is like he's scratching his balls, but it looks more like he's just getting into the cast a little bit and kind of getting his thigh. I want to yeah, point out, too, done. that be- before that, when they walk in the room, he has his whole hand inside of his cast. Oh, did he? I didn't like, notice that yeah. at the time. It's almost like Al Bundy. Like, his whole hand and arm are in the cast. And when she comes to shake his hand, he pulls it out and goes like that. Like, the shake oh, yeah. It's, it's really weird. Um, I thought he was like, scratching his balls. See, I think it's made to look that way. That's the reaction that she's giving. But it doesn't, like, visually look like he's scratching his balls with the stick. No, I meant before what Ferg was referencing. Oh, when his hand was down there. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's like literally in the cat. Because I, I went back and kept what, like rewatching, and then later he scratches it with the stick. Oh, so so then, sort of like uh, hidden, I didn't notice it. Did they make it look pretty telegraphed that he's going for his balls? Basically. I didn't see like the earlier, like what Ferg saying when they first shake hands. I didn't really catch it to uh, to notice one way or another. I was basically watching it to see Leslie's reaction as she reacted to how like weird it was. That's why I watched it a couple times, but like she doesn't. So politician, but yeah, Leslie and Tom and April are now at the pit and Anne shows them like where Andy fell in and mentions that he jumped across the fence to, um, he jumped over the fence so we could like get home quicker. That was basically what happened. And as she's explaining like what happened, Leslie's just kind of looking across this whole pit and just dreaming about like the park that could be. And she's talking about, oh, we could put in a racquetball court and a basketball court. And she's like, her dreams are getting bigger and bigger. And then she's like, a regulation-sized football field and a full-on amphitheater so they can do Shakespeare in the park. And Anne's like, I don't think the 
this pit is big enough for all of that. Gordo, are you going to go there when they open the amphitheater and do Shakespeare like you did early in fourth grade, like you were just talking about? You mean fart and ruin the whole thing? Yes, sure. Yeah. But on a Shakespeare I've never statue. farted in an amphitheater. I imagine that it would the, be The acoustics louder. must be wonderful. Yeah. The acoustics should right. be great, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had thought of that when I was in San Antonio and I walked to that on the river walk and there's that little amphitheater. I should have yeah, ripped. I know I did. Ozzy gets arrested for peeing on the Alamo, and you get arrested for burning <laughs> the San Antonio amphitheater. <laughs> so I don't think those two things stack knoll. up the same way. After this, we have um, Leslie wants to like get into the pit and like right where Andy fell and like see that area. So as she's trying to climb down, she gets one to be careful, and she's like, "Oh, don't worry, I have a hard hat." <laughs> like. Also, I want to note, like, at this point, she's, like, in heels and, like, wearing a blazer. Like, so if she knew she wanted to, like, get physical, she wanted to, like, again, to go into the whole, she's playing the political role and knows that it's a photo op. So she wanted to be, like, dressed for that. But now she wants to get dirty and, like, she's not dressed appropriately to, like, jump down into this gigantic pit. And, like, a tight, long skirt that's got to be very restricting on your movements. Right. Yeah, this is very much a politician doing a photo op. You know, yeah, in a right, bright yeah. suit, like, like a Barbara Bush like those, Which yeah, is exactly like they... what Anne called, too. She's like, this is just going to be a photo op. Right. Yep, yep. It, but it's like a mix, right? Because when you really see the character play out, she does legitimately care. But also, politics, yeah, she acknowledges this is a good photo op. So she's, she is playing both. But uh, as she's trying to go down this um, like little ledge to go down into the pit more, she completely like just tumbles over like ass over and like you know it's like a pretty intense fall that you see of her it's maybe going down. one of the best falls in tv comedy history she goes ass over tea kettle and there's a point where her legs she does she rolls backwards yeah like. <laughs> her legs stiffen up at one point and like launch her again and it's fucking hilarious that very is good. a very good stunt double i was gonna I say, say whoever did that did a great like. job yeah it's good and it's cutting just it's it happens so fast that you don't get like a clear face shot like it was really good so I want to point out that the other side of the pit was a very like, like, not a sharp incline. Could have just walked down over there. <laughs> but, yeah, like, there's other ways that you could have just gone into it. She like and, tries to go in the steepest part. Like, and actually, I'm I'm sorry I got ahead a little bit because one I I actually missed one of what was one of my favorite lines because she asked April to document it for, her and uh, she talks about how she needs to like get into the battle zone and. She says, like, when George Bush flew over New Orleans, and, like, I was like, this oh, yeah. is a great line, because that was, like, right now, like, during Hurricane Katrina, yeah. that was, like, that was his uh, his involvement, was, like, just fly by and look at it. Weirdly, also, uh, uh, I was going to say, weirdly, this weekend, we had, like, nothing to do, whatever, and we're trying to kill some time while we were, like, cleaning up the house. We put on, like, Peacock, same network this is streaming on, has, like, holiday cheers, and I was like, hey, do you want to watch, like, an episode of SNL Christmas? And we're like, yeah, that's good in the background. So we put on like the 1999 episode of SNL Christmas, but then we just didn't stop watching. So for the past, since Sunday night till today, just watched uh, two full seasons of watching George W. Bush become president and watch Will Ferrell play George W. Bush. And it is <laughs> wild to relive now. It is so <laughs> weird. But the flyover line made me think of that. Yeah, it was really good. And, uh, you know, a- after she does fall, it, uh, you know, Anne kind of like runs off to like, grab like a first aid kit or something and then tom and april don't seem like phased at all they don't really react and tom's like just stay still so april can get some photos 
and uh, we we cut to now Anne's down there with her, um, and I don't know, she's checking her up a little bit. You know, she is a nurse, and they're kind of bonding a little bit in this moment. And she's like, "Oh, it's a good thing I had that hard hat on." And Anne's like, "It fell off," but she's like, "Yeah, after I hit my head on that rod." And it cuts over to this rod that could have completely impaled her if she hit it the wrong way. It would have yeah. went straight Giant through her body. Yeah. And uh, now uh, now they're, they've cut back into the house and Leslie's laying next to Andy on this couch. And he's like, oh, it's so cool that you fell too. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's <laughs> he's not stoked. Cool. He's got like a partner. And, he's, and she's like, maybe now my boss will listen now that my clavicle is broken. <laughs> and it's like, it's not broken. She's like, do you have one of those like foam neck braces? And and tells her, you're honestly, you're fine. It's like, honestly, my clavicle is broken. Like she, she really wants this to be a bigger moment than it is. And I thought her delivery with that was really good. Delivery is good. That the low, I'm like saying something to your parents type of delivery. And that's uh also when um Nick, you referenced it earlier. This is when Andy asks her like, oh, if you're leaving the room, can you just make some pancakes real quick? And you know, and she's like, oh, are pancakes being made? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like they're just two children. Like they're, like they're both like complete children that need to be watched over at this point. And then uh, from there, you see Leslie leaving the house. You know, it must be a, a good little while, probably after their pancake dinner. And, after dinner, uh, you see her leaving the house, and um, you see Anne talking to the camera. And she goes like, you "No, know, she's a little doofy, but she's sweet." So we're establishing that like, they're going to become closer as the show progresses. I think they're they're laying a lot of foundation in episode one for that. I love that line too. I feel like that gives you like a very clear picture of how to expect her character going forward on the show, right? She's a little doofy, but she's sweet. That's her whole thing, right? So as we go on, expect that from her. And it, it's endearing, right? Like a doofy but sweet character is hard to not want to cheer for. Yeah, because sometimes like in real life, like that try hard character, the do-gooder isn't always one you root for, even though at at root they're a good person but it's like tough to like them sometimes maybe because we're all just cynical human beings so when when you give her that like likability and sweetness it it it, you know you're on board and you want to root for this character a little bit so now we cut to uh city hall and ron and leslie are talking and you just hear like ron please and he's like no no way and it's like come on ron i've been a loyal foot soldier like let me have lot 48 and uh (laughs) that's when he's like is that a travel pillow around your neck so instead of having a neck brace, she just has like a regular like, you know, when you're flying out pillow around her neck, which it looks like she just taped, taped across yeah. to make it look like it was a full neck brace. And I'm pretty sure you could just get one of those neck braces at like CVS or Walgreens, right? Like yeah, you have to go to a yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you, you could just you got could acquire one, one if you work. really wanted. And, um, and, and I do like because before this happens, when you first hear the audio of the conversation, they're showing an exterior shot of City Hall while Leslie's walking in. And she does not have it on even when she walked into the building. So she puts it on to play up this role of like, come on, Ron, I got hurt. Like, you have to do this for me. So she it, walked in without it. Did she just have that at work? Neck pillow? Who knows? Yeah. Or maybe it was in her yeah. yeah. so She doesn't seem like a... the type that would sleep at work. That's true. But she's also the type that would spend the night at work to get like work done. So maybe she power naps like overnight when she's already working past hours. Yeah, that's that, that is a good point. Yeah, she seems like the kind of person to be working overnight for sure. And then like, uh, she's... <laughs> He's like, um, have you been to the pit? Because I've been there. And he's when you fell in. And she goes, no, when I visited the bottom on a fact-finding mission. I, I, I like the uh, I like the line of visiting the bottom. Well, if you're gonna visit anywhere, and then uh, tells him like, you know, when you're down there, you get some perspective and you know what it all means. And as she says this, she's placing the photos of her laying at the bottom that April took, like on his desk. And I don't know what that was meant to accomplish. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, like, I didn't either. I, I didn't either. It just seemed weird. Yeah. You would, like, maybe here's physical evidence that I got hurt, and maybe I'll sue. Like, and I that's thought, kind of what it comes off as. I thought they'd want to go with the gag of showing the photos, but they do that later in the episode anyway, so she didn't really need to, like, lay those photos out for him. Like, there wasn't, like, a real point to showing it to him. It doesn't drive your point any better. No, she is. I think she's just trying to garner sympathy. That's Maybe why she it has could the be neck, that too. Neck brace. She's showing the accident. Showing that, that's possible. Then, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's also a plot device for what happens next to kind of introduce Ron's character a little more. Well, the, he takes yeah. those. Yeah, because he takes those and tosses them. Right. Because she yeah, tells him that she wants to. Yeah, when he throws them out, you get a better idea of who he is as a character too, right? Because then they start giving you all the details about him right afterwards. Yeah. Because it cuts to Ron talking head where he explains he doesn't he doesn't want to, the parks department to build any parks because he doesn't believe in government. He's like, I think all government is a waste of taxpayer money. And um, his dream is to have the parks department be completely privatized and run for profit by corporations. He said, like Chuck E. Cheese. And then he talks about how they, they have an impeccable business model. I would rather work for Chuck E. Cheese. Um, when was the last time any of you guys have been to Chuck E. Cheese? I, I a haven't. Years ago. I was gonna say you you having a child. Honestly, more, twenty five years. <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. I've ever even walked by one. Yeah, I think He's there's one Everett, I think it, near on Route sixteen or something. But yeah, I haven't been to one just like Nick since I was probably ten years old. At the well, latest. I feel like when we were kids, Chuck E. Cheese was kind of a bigger deal, and maybe it's because we're adults, we don't focus on that stuff. But I feel like it was a much bigger thing when we were kids to it go was somewhere definitely like advertised that. more. And I think maybe I still because see commercials. Yeah, but I think when we were kids, there were way less places you could take a group of kids for a birthday party. Like, there were one-off spots, but, like... I think Max's seventh birthday party, I think we had it there. It was seven or eight. I don't remember which, but... Right, but I think that you, because you have a kid, you know, that's more on you. Like, even commercials, right? Like, if you're just sort of present around him watching kid stuff, the commercials are going to be on that, whereas the commercials aren't necessarily going to be on the news at 10 p.m. or on, like, It's Always Sunny or something, you know? But I but I wonder if um as a business in general if they're they're as popular these days as when we were kids because I just feel like it was such a bigger thing when we were younger. There's definitely less of them, but um the that one was almost always packed when I take them. Here's a question: yeah, Since you've been there sort of recently, what did you think of the pizza as an adult versus the pizza as a kid? I didn't like the pizza as a kid. Like, I thought their pizza was trash, so I can't imagine liking it more as an adult with a it, more. It's not any palette. better, I'll say that. But it, I mean, it's cheap pizza that they fly out for tons of kids all day. Right? Yeah. Mm. I was reading something on, I think it was Reddit. I don't know if it was a meme or it was, I or it was a serious conversation. I can't remember I if I was get. reading an extensive article or looking at a picture with a <laughs> caption on it. <laughs> no, or I was reading a comment of a meme. It was Gordo, so it was a meme. Uh, anyways. Um, no, but somebody was saying how I believe that they used to work at a Chuck E. Cheese in that if you ever looked at the pizzas, the pizza crusts don't line up like i'm making a circle here so what they do is like if a half a pizza comes back they take the other half, say another pizza and slap them all together and send them back out somebody was saying that again is it true is it not i don't know and i don't want to throw shade at chuck e cheese because it very well could be wrong and just something i read in the internet but that is also something i read in the internet very recently so something to let it be known to all of you at Chuck E. Cheese. Check your slices. Make sure that crust lines up. Perfect circle. 
Right. I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised. That does seem wholly illegal, though, right? Or oh, it definitely like, is. But yeah, you know, again, if you're like a former, I mean, it's really no I'm, different. I'm, than... I'm gonna say this: <clears throat> nobody would send that pizza back because it's so fucking expensive. You're gonna make either. <laughs> I mean, like, if you're at Chipotle, right? If you're at Chipotle, you ever see them like swap out the beef? Like that is like there's a little beef left, and they just swap out the new container and they add the old beef to it. It's no different than that. Like. They're just no. It's, it is different. No, if, if they hand the a pizza, pizza if they bring a pizza to your table, oh wait, when okay. You're done, so I you misunderstood. This is pizza yeah. people have already like had their hands on. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought there was like things out and they had halves in the back or some shit and they're just adding them. No. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. That's gross. Yeah. Right, again, so, like I said. So uh, so at this point we we cut back to them and and Ron says that he'll think about it. That's and, and that really wasn't his intention to actually think, yeah, I think he just wanted to get Leslie out of the office. But from that point forward, you see kind of like a montage of what I assume is maybe every half hour or so, which is just going in over and over and like, Hey, so what's up with the, with the parks thing? You decide about the parks thing yet? Uh, and there's all these different cuts, but the one I really liked was when she was playing, she was trying to play like uh, reverse psychology. It's like, you know, I don't even really know if I want it anymore. <laughs> this also felt very improv too, in a good way. That one did, and then there's also another one where she's like holding like little like post-it notes against the window, like like yes with a question mark, yeah, and please, on that too, yeah, um, yeah, that was my favorite. And you and you look over at Ron, and he just looks like worn out and defeated at this point. And already, he's already like just so exhausted by her. From there, we see uh, Mark runs into April and Tom in the hallway, and they're showing him the photos of Leslie at the bottom of the pit. It includes one that Tom reveals that we didn't see before. That's like his like his prize one, which is the upskirt <laughs> one. And uh, my, Mark takes it with him and like walks off. And Tom's like, "Wait, I, I want that one back." But you know, lucky for him, April assures him that she could print more. And then we see Mark go back into his office and he's, there's a talking head saying how he gave up on the government like two months after he started working there. But Leslie's been there for over six years now and she's remaining optimistic. And he has all these rules about how to survive and prosper in government, uh, but he's about to break one of them. And during this talking head, though, you see him opening up his emails and one of those photos is emailed to him from Tom and it's like, (laughs) forward around. (laughs) I love the time everybody would be fired so quickly now. Yeah, you can't show an upskirt photo. Well, that one I don't even think was the upskirt, but still, like anything of that nature that would be considered like harassment to like one of your coworkers or whatever does not. It's fly. not this is also you another plot. Fired it's an then plot. too. It's not. Yeah, it's I not thought... always that the world is so different. Sometimes people are just acting out of line, and it would have been a problem. Yeah, then too. this isn't the world. Yeah, this isn't one of those like you couldn't do that now. This is a you shouldn't have done that then either. Like that what? would have been. Like again, even on the show, something like that's covered in the future with the dick pic that goes out to everyone. Yeah, that's oh, true. Gets super multiple ones. ones. Yeah. Just, my and, uh, thing was, I thought he was writing the email. I didn't see that he received it because he way received that the it. Shot, that was yeah, no, yeah, that was from was Tom. Receiving. Yeah, you oh, can okay. see the sender. Oh, and I then um, you know, we see right. from there, Marco's in Iran's office, and he asks for him to give Leslie the lot, and uh, tells him, uh, tells Ron that he owes him a favor. And Ron's like, you want to cash in for this? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I really wish there was a little more backstory there. I kind of want to know what Ron needed so bad that um, he owed him a big one like this, that he could just, you know, something of this magnitude, like handing over an entire lot, obviously is a, an expensive venture. But it's not, it's not handing over a whole lot, though. It's handing over the ability to start a subcommittee 
Right. It's not it. a necessarily that it's going to yeah. get approved, but it's kind of just yeah. That's to the even other part that I forgot about when we rewatched it the other night. I was like, oh, they don't just like give her the lot. They're like, oh, you can start the process that is going to be a grueling nightmare to maybe someday have this be um, right. Yeah, which is a lot less of a, a a prize, I guess. Right. And then uh, we see Anne entering City Hall for the first time after this, and Leslie tells her about um, this is actually one of the first structures in America to have locks. And shows her um, one of their best murals, and to not to jump ahead, but the murals do become a big thing, like on the show in the future. But uh, this one in particular, it's just kind of like a <laughs> bunch of white people slaughtering the Native Americans, and uh, like the, the the main thing we see is like over, yeah, there's like a over. like this white woman like about to swing an axe at like a Native American woman who's like kind of like on her knees, like just kind of like please don't kill me. <laughs> Cool. Uh, they've like post-it notes and stuff covering up one that's just covered in blood <laughs> yeah because Le- leslie <laughs> explains how there's there's kids who visit city hall often so they have to usually put things over the more gruesome parts of the photos or the the murals during uh, this interaction with them is when tom runs up and tells um ann and leslie we did it we, uh, we got approved for the committee so um now we see them all celebrating in the office and uh mark does go in to congratulate her because he's not going to tip his hand that he had a part in this and there's a talking head from Tom talking about how every time that they have one of these kind of celebratory events in that office, uh, Leslie always gets plastered. And one time she tried to fax a fruit roll up and another time she made out with the water delivery guy. And on Halloween, she was dressed up as Batman and he talked her into trying to stop a crime outside. Not Batwoman, but Batman. Yes. <laughs> the fax a fruit roll up thing made me laugh because that brought me very much back to my roots of putting uh plastic shopping bags shredders. through shredders yeah. <laughs> seemed like that was right up my alley and now and i just really want to go get fruit roll-ups the fruit roll-ups were delicious for my memory i, I don't really eat them these days but i like no i don't want to eat one i want to try to fax one oh you want to oh, fax one. destroy okay, a fax machine they're delicious still <laughs> they're just gummies right so yeah i mean what i had one recently like? actually because i saw a convenience store selling the singles and i was like oh, i gotta have one just gonna grab one of these for the kid when yeah I get home. it's not for me <laughs> It's the best thing. Like they're Lucy steal, stealing his snacks. Like ooh, gushers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shark uh, bites. It's, Single shark bites. Also, uh, I, I wanted to note during the uh, Tom's talking head that the, you could you could definitely see that he is entertained by when Leslie does this, but he's certainly like very much pouring her over and over again to make sure that she does get to this point where she acts out during these events. He's topping off her glass, like, uh, more than a couple of times. Have anybody here ever gotten, has anybody here, rather, ever gotten champagne drunk? Yeah, it's, like, no, the worst sure. drunk yeah. you can get. That's it. I, I don't like champagne Headache enough, but I don't think I could drink enough to get drunk. Well, I've never gotten, like, I don't surprised. think straight champagne, or maybe I have, but, like, mimosas I've gotten drunk off of, and it's terrible. It's, like, the worst hangover. It's just all sugar. It's not fun. Mimosa, too, right? You're adding the I used to get drunk on I was going to say, is cold duck? Cold yeah, Andre considered? back in the day. I used to drink oh, those five, bo- Andre, five yeah, dollar bottles of Andre. Sure. Yeah, the cold. But those weren't like those are the worst hangovers. But those were like all sugar. When I was at a point in my life where I was downing bottles of Andre, I was also drinking like five bottles of Andre to my head, like in a single night. So I, it wasn't like oh I'm wine drunk. It was like oh I'm blackout drunk. Like that's that's what that was at that point in my life. I remember not to incriminate. Maybe he didn't do it. But one night when Schlitz was uh, buying us a bunch of beer. Right, we for some reason Mr. got in S. our head like, "What do you want?" It's like, "Just get a case of Andre." 
and we were in Nick's basement, and we were drinking them out of uh, the soup cups, like the school lunch <laughs> soup cups or whatever. <laughs> They're like the but I just remember when Sch- Schlitz cups, comes yeah. out, like our like grizzled friend comes out and hands us the Not case. to incriminate, but here's his name, because <laughs> I could have just said a friend of ours. <laughs> it's not his real name. That's true. Technically. Uh, but he said the guy in the liquor store just looked at him with the case of cold duck and said, what, are you got a date? <laughs> and then he walked out <laughs> and handed us the case of it. Could get a case of mums. <laughs> Do you remember uh, when uh, we bought beers from the guy who worked at that restaurant across from where yes. we worked and assorted, uh, we, assorted, he, he could get us yeah. he could get us like bar bottles because they were a bar and uh so we said all right we want to we want 24 like a case of them and we brought them back to my basement and we load them up and there's 12 in there <laughs> and tom calls the kid and he goes i'm coming back for 12 more beers or i'm gonna kick the shit out of you at work <laughs> and he was just waiting outside for tom with 12 beers <laughs> <laughs> is tom this person's real name because you could have also said a friend of ours I, you know if you bring it up it makes it worse jay no it, it doesn't it's already there any Tom, Dick, or Harry. It could have been anybody. Maybe he yeah. was talking about Tom from Parks and Rec. Yes, Tom Haverford. So, yeah, so now there's uh, kind of like a final talking head of Anne and Leslie on a couch together. And they're both drunk. You can see they're both drunk at this point. And Leslie's talking a little bit about how things are coming together. Like, And, Joe, I think your line at the top of the episode was from this part, right? Yeah, the beverages and hot guys. Yeah, and I believe by hot guys, he's just talking about Mark Brandanowitz, right? Yeah, just Brandanowitz. Yeah, and then um, you get a little bit of uh, Anne talking about how she typically doesn't uh, believe in government, but uh, you know she got involved, and, and you know now she's going to do whatever it takes to fill this pit. She said even if it takes two months, which I think is funny. You know? <laughs> I love the optimism. Yeah. Like, like two, like it's a gigantic government process. Like It's not going to be a two-month pro- like thing. But um, And then in this, because like, I think this um, feeling of like sisterhood, uh, Leslie starts singing like Lady Marmalade. And she sings it so funny. It just really holds on lard, which is so much better than it should be. And then we get one last little cut scene after that. And it's just um, Ron Swanson giving the tour of his office a little bit. And he explains that it's like a tribute to how he feels about the government. He just has a sawed off shotgun that's mounted onto his desk that he has pointed at whoever's sitting across from him. I actually really like that idea. And if I ever get an office, I kind of want to do that. One thing you can see uh, that, I thought of of that they, they bring up later on in a different episode is he's got a Claymore mine on his desk, too. Which I don't know if you've ever seen oh, that. Yeah, that was like, they yeah, literally yeah. say front towards enemy, which is like what an imposing <laughs> thing to have in front of you while you're like doing some sort of office deal. It's one of those things I always wanted one of those or one of those gra- uh, grenades that say like complaint department, grenades. take a number. <laughs> But I never want to order one because I'm afraid the post office is going to think it's real. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, like, the SWAT team kicking my door down. Um, I, I'm, I don't think they'll just assume there's a real... It's not like they're, like, doing straight x-rays. on. There's so many novelty items like that you can buy now. I don't know. There was the time in high school when I ordered a bullet belt and it ended up opened from the post office and not delivered, not wrapped back up. It literally was just put on... It was a gift for me. It was this girl's doorstep. She called this, like, they just... Opened it up, freaking out at the post office, and then just laid it back down on her front steps with like the Havoc record sticker just on top of it. It was like five hundred bullets, just like I, can't I, I mean, I can see how that might flag the post attention. office was like, "Oh my god, it's going down!" Uh, and the only other thing in his office, I think he points out, is his Bobby Knight poster, and that's like how the episode ends with him just like looking at it and going, "Bobby Knight!" <laughs> like he's like really excited by it. I do like that. Like you forget they're in Indiana until that point. Yeah. And yeah, that's the only thing so they really like, like yeah. shove Indiana at you. He's such like a reserved kind of character. Like his character does change a bit throughout the seasons, but um, 
early on, like he's he's very like dull. He's not saying a lot, but he's so excited by the Bobby Knight poster. Like that really got him going. Bobby Knight was an inspiring man. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's the entirety of the episode. Oh, there's a great ahead. Bobby the Brain Heenan piece of merchandise that like they put out for what WrestleMania was in Indiana, maybe six at the Hoosier Dome. I don't but, uh, recall. I forget, is that the maybe one? It's five, six, or seven? I remember the name? Is that like when you like, like a pin of? Would that be when he was like managing like the Colossal Connection? I think so. Yeah, and there's like a pin that's like Bobby Knight and Bobby Heenan, and Bobby Heenan says like you know I'm Indiana's favorite Bobby or something, which I just thought was like a really interesting piece of marketing. But whenever oh, yeah, I see Bobby Knight, I think of that. Nice little regional. But yeah, that's the entirety of the episode. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about as far as Parks and Rec goes in general? Because I know that we've it, it's tough because we have all been fans. So we've jumped ahead a bit, Gordo. Except for that Gordo, was yeah. WrestleMania eight. WrestleMania April fifth, nineteen ninety two, at the Hoosier Dome. Oh. What was the main event of that one? Was that Warrior that was Hogan? Uh, Sid Vicious uh, versus Hulk Hogan and yep. Randy Savage versus Ooh, sounds Rick like Flair. a real barn burner. Well, that's I'll when say Flair this, lost the not belt to, get in... to Savage, and yeah. that's yeah. after my favorite one of my favorite wrestling promos of all time, where Sid Vicious calls Jack Tunney bogus, which I always <laughs> think about. I don't want to get into a long wrestling tangent because I'm sure that's just a small fraction of the people who listen to us, if anybody. Oh, bring it on. But this was the golden opportunity that they finally had to have a WrestleMania main evented by Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair, and they completely muffed it, and they they did this instead. What a gigantic missed opportunity. They never had that big WrestleMania match. Nope, this this was it. I don't know why Sid Vicious was even thrown in there. He was, they were, he was poised to be the next guy. They thought he was going to be the future of the company at that point. Yeah, they paid a ton of not, money to pull him over from WCW. They were very unaware oh, yeah. of how committed he was to his softball schedule. This before <clears> or <throat> after like, his fight with Arn Anderson with scissors? Guys. Bef- guys. Oh, sorry, Nick. Anyway, Wrestling. maybe we should wrap this one up, everybody. <laughs> Let's go. That was Come a good on. Like... <laughs> Anything else you guys want to say about Sid Vicious? No? All right. Uh, yeah, Focus. So in any event, yeah. So so Parks and Rec, though. Anything else about this show in particular you guys want to talk about? Um, the run of the show. Anything Parks and Rec related that you think needs to be brought up that we didn't really get to encapsulate in this episode? I will say I did one time see Nick Offerman perform his like live show with uh, his I wife did too. Megan Mullally. Did you saw it too, Nick? Oh, not the one with Megan Mullally. I saw his solo. Oh, okay. I didn't see that yeah. one. But I would say, uh, would you recommend that one? Because I'd certainly recommend if you saw him. Yeah, I got to, to go, sing to Bye Bye Little Sebastian at the end with him. He came out with a guitar and played it as his encore. It was pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. So, yeah, I think we covered it all. Um, that's episode one of Parks and Rec, which may or may not be called Make My Pit a Park, but <laughs> it could also just be called Pilot. It really depends on where you look, so I'm not sure. But, yeah, you know, we covered it all. So, you know, let's just get into that green letter cancel. I'm going to go in the order I see you with. I will start with the first person I see, which is the only person who had never seen the show before. Gordo. But the show has to get better, I assume. I am actually really, really torn because I didn't like this episode. I thought it was Which annoying. is all we're doing here, so. Yeah. So I, if I'm basing it off of this alone, I'm going to cancel. I'll probably end up watching it just for because it has enough in there but like me never seeing the the show before or anything it just came off as a more annoying office i don't like amy poehler to begin with i don't think she's funny i never liked her characters on snl and so this was just 
over the top. Um, there was enough there, but I don't know. I didn't, it, it didn't, the hype wasn't there on episode one for me. So that's a cancel for me. All right, uh, Ferg. Cancel. I forgot how boring the pilot is for this show. Um, this is before Pawnee as like a whole becomes flanderized and everyone has personalities at this point. Nobody has a personality except for Leslie, and that personality is annoying. Um, I'm with Gordo 100%. I, I honestly, I, I've, I've seen the show 100 times. It does get better, and I actually love this series, but that, this is a bad pilot, and like nothing actually really happens. So, yeah, cancel. Nick. Uh, I am with the mics here. I am canceling it. This pilot was bad. You really only get to, like Ferg had said, you really only get to touch on uh, Leslie and Tom and, you know, Mark briefly, you know, Ron briefly. You do not get a good idea of who these people are yet, like, at all. They 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 spend way too much time on Leslie, which I get she is the main character. When I rewatch this show, I skip most of the first season, actually. I don't think that the characters developed well at all. I think they're they're really lucky they did hit a stride soon after that. Because if this show kept going the way this this pilot did, I I'm not sure it would have lasted. And I'm glad it did because it's it's hands down my one of my top three favorite shows of all time now. But this pilot, not good. Cancel. Joe. So I'll agree with everybody but Gordo at least and that like unabashedly love this show. But I also disagree with them that it's a bad pilot. I think you've got a lot of people and you're trying to do a lot, right? And you're not finding your voice. It reminds me a lot, like a lot of things did in this show to the pilot of the office, right? Where like, I wouldn't cancel this on this pilot alone because I know this is going to get good. There's enough here that I think there's enough stuff. I laughed at enough jokes. I thought the characters were interesting and compelling. And this is the start of a story. A lot of pod, a lot of the episodes we watch don't start you on something where you know exactly where it's going to go. Like, you have the idea that, okay, this whole show now is going to be about these people trying to build this park, which I kind of love, right? You have a direction they're going to shoot you into versus yeah. a show that's just, hey, every week we're somewhere different, which is fun, too, but this is kind of a different thing. Um, so, I mean, I really don't dislike the pilot, not even thinking about what the show becomes, which I do love. I enjoy the pilot, and it, it makes me sad. This is probably the last time this show when, like, I cared about watching TV live was the Thursday night when it was like this, The Office and 30 Rock, where like you'd actually want to be home on a Thursday because TV was so good. Um, so I'm going to green light it. Uh, not to yes. cut you off, Jay, I'm sorry. But Joe raised a good point, and I think knowing how good the show gets, really like maybe me and Ferg too, hinders your thoughts of the pilot. Joe's saying that it's good enough to know that it's going to get better. I mean, I'm still going to cancel. I'm not changing my mind or anything. But... I think how good the show becomes is you can't ignore it compared to the pilot. And I think that's a big deciding factor on me canceling it, even though it kind of is unfair to the pilot. So I'll say this because I think there's something there with that. And I think the argument can be made both ways. So before I even get into how I'll, I'm going to go, there's a thought that you like the show so much that it doesn't hold up to later episodes, which makes you not like the episode. There's also the flip side where, you might not like the episode, but you give it a pass because you know how good it becomes. Right. So we can go one way or the other. And, and both of those things can be true depending on what person it is. So it's very funny. It's, it, it's the difficult thing about what we do when we're trying to analyze a pilot based on just that episode, ignoring the future, because in a lot of these cases with shows like this, there's going to be 
preconceived thoughts that, you know, from just having known the show. But uh, to get into mine, I'm going to actually side with Joe on this one, and I'm going to give it the green light. But it is tricky, and I can understand everyone's point of view here. There was enough there with me. I really liked Tom's character, and I really liked uh, Andy's character. I liked the way that that world was coming together. Like the little things, like the murals, the town hall stuff, the, the, the weirdos talking in the beginning. I liked what they were setting up. Do, having known the future run of the show, does Leslie's character evolve and change quite a bit? Yes. Does Ron's? Yes. Because Ron is one of my favorite characters in like all of television history. Ron Swanson is one of my all-time favorites. Ron Swanson in the first season of the show is not Ron Swanson. It took yeah, time totally for them to different. find that. But I do think there was enough in this episode that it made me want to continue on. I don't think I'd have to skip this first season to enjoy watching a run-through because I liked enough stuff here. Does it live up to the rest? No, but I think I did think it was good enough. But with that being said, that's only two out of five. So sorry to Parks and Rec, which is, you know, widely loved by all. And even this whole cast stands Gordo seeing it for the first time. The four of us all do love it. But yeah, only two out of five. So not a passing grade from us. So unfortunately, Parks and Rec, you do not continue on to see a second episode. So that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Be sure to go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to our social media, everywhere where you can listen to us. Please follow us on all social media platforms. Rate, review, subscribe anywhere you can. It means a lot to us. To us, Please tell anyone you know to check us out if they haven't already. Spread the word. It means a lot. But that's it. All the time we have for this week. Thank you. See you on the next one. I think we got the best sweet lady marmalade.